Question for you. Can someone be one with nature or one with the universe? One with nature or one with the universe? And as long as I'm going to be talking about this, would it be possible to see Jesus being crucified right now? Okay, those are some interesting questions, and let's get right to it. Thanks for joining me. I'm Brian Sussman, the Brian Sussman Show podcast, Faith, Family, Freedom. I appreciate your listenership, and I appreciate you getting the word out regarding this podcast. More at me at briansussman.com. I was speaking to someone this weekend who was just very, very nice person, and uh, oh, so loving, so nice, so mellow, wouldn't harm a fly. And they were talking about how important it is for them to be at one with the universe, at one with nature. And I was thinking to myself, though I didn't say it, are you sure you'd really want to be at one with nature? (laughs) At one with the universe? Uh, I'll explain in just a moment. So much explaining yet to do. But uh, the concept is called Utiera. Utiera. U means good. Tierra means earth. So good with earth. At one with earth. It's a good and positive feeling of oneness with the earth and its life forces. I'm reading here in one definition. In one definition, when it occurs, your perception of the boundaries between yourself and all else, the thoughts and feelings settling you off from the rest of the cosmos seem to evaporate. And there's a distinction between you and nature that breaks down. You become one with the universe. Om. That's what that's what certain religions do. It's it's transcendental. They want you to become one with the universe. Let your human spirit free and allow the spirit of this world to fill you. Let me continue here. Becoming one with the universe, a reassuring sense of harmony and connection with the world that infuses your consciousness. How might you experience Utiera? Well, one way might be going deep into nature and using all your senses to hear, see, smell, feel, and even taste the engulfing and enriching natural world in all its depth and splendor, creating a moment when the sensing and the quiet mind overthinks, over, overtakes your thinking mind. So... I'm thinking to myself, I I love nature. I love being out in nature. I think we all do. There's something that is incredibly calming about being in the redwood forest. For some of you who have never been in a redwood forest with these tree trunks that are as as broad as a house and gosh, I don't know, five, 600 feet tall. It's incredible. It really is an amazing feeling. But you're not becoming one with nature. You're just, at that moment, enjoying the presence of God's creation. He made those beautiful redwoods. When you stand atop a mountain and there's no human near you for miles and miles and miles, it's just you, yourself, and your, me, myself, and I, and you can see the horizon all about you. That is, that's the beauty of God's creation, which at that moment in time, you're just in love with. 
Have you ever been on a ship in the middle of the sea and looked out over the ocean? It's so massive and so powerful. It's, it's breathtaking. It's awe-inspiring. You're, you haven't become one with the universe. Instead, you're tapping into the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe. Now, what I wanted to say to that friend who was talking about being at one with the universe and at one with nature, I, I was reading this recently in a C.S. Lewis book entitled uh, The Great Divorce. And I was thinking to myself, after reading what C.S. Lewis was talking about in terms, of, in terms of the natural world in which we live, the natural world in which we live, it's, it's a vicious world. You know, when you're sitting in the redwoods and enjoying that quiet and that sensation of just, God Almighty, can I tell you something? If you were at one with nature... There are insects killing insects. And there are rodents looking for insects to eat. And there are other animals on the prowl looking for those rodents to eat. It's, it's a vicious world out there. I'm serious. It really is. For those of you who have ever been out in the ocean, oh, it's awe-inspiring, but have you ever been in the ocean during a storm? Now, you talk about being at one with nature. I have a friend who was on a ship. It was a ship, a boat that he built. I can't remember how large it was, but he built this boat. He was a missionary, and he and his wife and two friends used that boat to sail from California to the Tongan Islands. That's a pretty good piece of, of, of ocean that they covered, so it was a seaworthy vessel. But they were caught in a hurricane for three days on their way back from Tonga. Three days. You want to talk about being at one with nature? They've never been so sick in their lives. And so, well, they just assumed they were going to die. They didn't think they were going to make it out. Okay, so you can, you can sit on top of that water on a calm day and go, wow, this is unbelievable. Woo, I'm at one with nature. Or you can be caught in the middle of a storm. What I'm saying is there are hurricanes that are violent, biggest storms on earth. There are tornadoes, which are considerably smaller, but absolutely terrifying and deadly, right? That ocean produces tsunamis that can wipe out entire cities. When you're on top of that mountain looking over the glorious earth, guess what? There are earthquakes, and when that occurs... You better hope you're in the right place. Otherwise, it's going to be your time. You could be in a forest when a natural forest fire develops simply because of lightning, which comes out of the sky, which at times can be quite beautiful. But when there's a storm and you're in it, see, my point is, I don't think we want to be at one with nature. I don't think we want to be at one with the universe. There are things going, in, going on in outer space that aren't so pleasant either. I'm thinking of uh, meteor showers. See, we, we get confused. That person who says, I just want to be at one with nature. I want to be at one with the universe. What they're yearning for is God. They want to be in the presence of God. And they are. Just by, just by being out in nature, 
They are in his presence because he has created all of that. He's, he's not in the trees. He's the guy who created the trees. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a beautiful thing. I'm going to get to some powerful scriptures in just a moment. But God nourishes our souls with his loving presence through the beauty of nature. What does the psalmist say? Well, many things. But in Psalm 19, we read, The joy of the Lord comes to us in splashing waves and playful animals. And throughout the Bible, we read testimonies of the Lord commuting, communicating to us in the skies and the ocean waves. And, and Jesus even reassures us that our Father in heaven always, always cares for the little sparrows. And he cares for us. That's in Matthew 6. You see, nature reveals to us God's beauty. It reveals to us God's glory, his wisdom, his presence, his creativity, his loving care, and, and quite frankly, his power. His power. I'm reminded, again, I'm in this C.S. Lewis thing right now, just reading everything that C.S. Lewis ever wrote, uh, including things that weren't all that popular. But it's really interesting because when you, for those of you who have read The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, the character that is Jesus is a lion named Aslan. Aslan. And there is a moment in time where one of the characters named Lucy is is asking Mr. Beaver and Mrs. Beaver about Aslan. And so Lucy says, and, and Lucy is a human, young human girl, Aslan is, is a beaver. Uh, I mean, sh- I should say Mr. Beaver's a beaver and Mrs. Beaver's a beaver as well. But here, here's the conversation right from the book. Is, is he a man? Asked Lucy. Aslan a man? Said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and make no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I I love what C.S. Lewis is saying here. He's not safe, but he's good. That's nature. When I look at nature on a beautiful day, oh, it seems so safe. It's so wonderful. But when my friends were out in that hurricane for three days, it was not safe. And that was the Lord's creation. Uh, I recall back in, gosh, was it 1991 when we had this humongous earthquake in uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area. All, all, all of the, the, 
the epicenter of that particular earthquake, Loma Prieta Mountain, is such a beautiful mountain. Anybody, anybody who's ever hiked up there would say, gosh, what a great hike. The views are spectacular. Well, on the day when that earthquake hit, it was not safe. Otherwise, it was really a good place, but not safe. Do you see what I'm saying? Nature is violent. Nature, at times, is out of control. Nature is chaos. So to say you're one with nature, hmm, really? You're not. What you are at that moment is yearning for the God of all creation. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That's Hebrews 11.3. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's from Colossians 1. I also like what is said in uh, the first chapter of Hebrews where uh, the writer says Jesus, the Son of God, is the radiance of the Father. The radiance of the Father. What does that mean? Well, just as you, you look at the sun, you look at the sun, and you're not seeing that ball of fire. You're seeing the light being emitted from that ball of fire. That's what the writer's saying here. He's the radiance of God's glory. We can't see the Father, but we can see the Son. Uh, I love, I love, and then it also says in Hebrews 1, he's the upholder of all things. He, th- this world would be spinning out of control. It would be absolute chaos, were not for the fact that he is holding it together. Genesis 1, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature so they could be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper, produce, fill the earth, take charge. Be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Uh, That's from the message translation. The heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Okay, so let me go to the second question that I proposed at the very, very beginning of this. I I love this kind of stuff. It's, 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 well, well, who knows in heaven what, what we'll be able to see. But for right now, I, I ask the question, is it possible to see Jesus dying on the cross right now? That's a wild question, isn't it? Well, yes, it actually could be if we were to, maybe if Elon Musk could come up with a way to have us travel in light years really quick. <laughs> We could do this. (laughs) Somebody get a message out to Elon. I want to tell you about a star named Deneb. Some of you who like astronomy are familiar with this. It's the tail of the swan. 
Deneb is the most brilliant, distant, bright star in the Earth's sky. So of all the, the stars that are way out there, it's the brightest. You've, I'm sure you've seen it on a summer night. It's thousands of light years away from the Earth. In fact, it's 2,000 light years away from the Earth, most, most believe. 2,000. Now, what happened 2,000 years ago? Mm-hmm. Jesus dying on a cross. The Savior of the world being crucified for the sins of the entire world. And of course, shortly thereafter, he would be resurrected and then ascend to heaven at the right hand of the Father. The stars in the tail of the constellation, the swan or Cygnus, the swan, are, are about 2,000 miles away. Deneb is for sure. It's the brightest star. So Deneb is one of the three stars considered parts of the summer triangle. Altair is one of the stars, Vega is another, and then Deneb. You've seen it before. So on a bright summer night, when you're looking straight up into the sky, you'll probably be able to see those three stars, Vega, Altair, and Deneb. And if you were on Deneb right now, looking back, Towards the earth, you would see Jesus being crucified for the sins of the world in real time. It's wild, isn't it? My friends, thanks for allowing me just to uh, get philosophical <laughs> in this particular Brian Sussman Show podcast. I do appreciate your listenership. These podcasts are not just fun for me, but I believe they're a calling at this point in time in my life, and I appreciate bringing them to you on a regular basis. Get the word out. If you can share this podcast with somebody, I would appreciate that. The more, the merrier. And continue to be my ambassadors getting the word out about The Brian Sussman Show. More on me at briansussman.com. God bless you, my friends. And until next time, thank you very much.